Well, welcome to the latest in our series of podcasts from the Lighthouse and Farmworth Journalism. Um, today, this is Kevin Bishop. Today, I'm in Johannesburg, and I'm very pleased that I'm joined by Adam Mountford, the BBC's producer of Test Max Special. Good, uh, good evening, Adam. Yeah, evening. So we're sitting in a uh, in a garden in Johannesburg. It's the middle of what the end of December, Christmas time. What, what's Christmas been like here on the road in in Johannesburg? Yeah, it's rather strange. When I mean, I've been doing this job since 2002-3 so every two years I have a Christmas away so sometimes in, in South Africa sometimes in Australia and it is a, it is a bit surreal obviously the whole principle of being you know in a warm country at Christmas and sometimes in Australia where it can be very hot and here in Johannesburg it's actually pretty pretty hot on Christmas day but yeah clearly you're away from sort of family and friends but you have a, a community that sort of forms on tour so on Christmas Day, we went to the ground where England were training ahead of the Test match the next day. So you're kind of working and doing interviews and that sort of thing. And then the afternoon, a lot often it's a case of the you know your sort of community of journalists or broadcasters gathering together. We have you know a Christmas buffet and you know meet up and everyone sort of looks after themselves, I guess, because you you know it feels a bit weird being away from family and friends, but you make the most of it and you know and enjoy the time. So yeah, it's a bit surreal, a bit strange, but uh, certainly a different experience. So two questions, I guess, that I have to ask: Have you ever done Secret Santa? with Sir Jeffrey, and secondly, <laughs> what about cake? Um, well, yeah, you'd have thought actually Christmas and cake, you'd have thought they go together very much so, but um, I mean, and certainly thinking about Test Match Special, but I'm not sure if I've had a, a Test Match Special cake at Christmas, which I really should have done. In terms of Secret Santa and Jeffrey, no, I, I haven't done that. He, I, I, I haven't, I don't think I've actually had a Christmas day with Jeffrey. Um, Jonathan Agnew has, and managed to get him. Uh, to wear a Santa hat and the the face he pulls, <laughs> looking as miserable as possible, being forced to be a you know he's very much more the Grinch, the Grinch than the yeah, Santa I would have thought. But um, but yeah no, uh, there certainly has been um, a secret Santa amongst journalists and and Vic Marks, who's a long-standing member of the TMS team, former Somerset spin bowler. And he was once given a mankini. And if anyone knows Vic Marks, he's probably the last person in the world <laughs> who would ever have a mankini. So, yes, yeah, certainly there are some, some interesting uh, experiences you have on tour. So what I'd like to explore over the next few minutes chatting with you now is it's, it's kind of what you did to get yourself to the place that you've become today as, as the producer for Test Match Special. Take me back uh, to your um, university days. Where did you study and, and what did you do? So I studied at Warwick University and I studied modern European history. Um, and it, it, it's weird, really, in that there was very much a moment when I was at Warwick where I thought, this, this is what I want to do. And it's when the university uh, newspaper came out, which is called the Warwick Bore, and B-O-R, um, B-O-B-O-A-R, rather than anything else. <laughs> and, um, and it had an advert for a sports programme. And I loved, the two things I loved the most were sport and radio. So growing up, I, I got into cricket in 1981 when England won this amazing Ashes series against Australia, a bit, bit like you know the euphorium that's been around this summer around cricket was very much there in 1981 and it got me absolutely hooked in that year. Um, and I love radio. I always love listening to radio from you know local radio stations through to you know national radio stations. I love comedy on the radio. I love sport on the radio. That's what I absolutely loved. And there was this advert in the paper and it said, we are starting a sports programme on the university radio station, which was called W963. And I remember distinctly to this day thinking, that's like everything, sport and radio together. If I go there and really enjoy it, that could be what I really want to do. And I went there and it was brilliant. I met a lot of like-minded people who loved radio and loved sport. And I ended up working um, there. And I, I, again, I remember the first day we sort of got together and 
and we did a programme and I thought, if I really enjoy doing this programme, this I, I can really see me doing wanting to do this and I just loved it. I just felt natural at home. There were people I enjoyed being with. I loved the whole, you know, mixture of broadcasting, producing, you know, coming up with ideas. What I loved about radio was that you could have an idea and get it straight on. You haven't got to sort of spend hours and hours, it was straight on there. And so I did university radio at this place called W963. Which you've renamed, I believe. Uh, well, I didn't rename myself, but it has been renamed now to Raw uh, Radio Warwick. Um, and, um, and then what happened was that um, they had a relationship with the local BBC station, which was at the time called BBC CWR. I think it's actually about to be called that. And um, people from the um, university radio station would go on a Sunday night uh, to work on a, a youth programme called PDQ, which I'm never quite sure what it meant, but um, it was a brilliant breeding ground. And there's a guy called Andy Conroy, who was the manager at the time, who now works. I think he's quite a big manager in, in BBC Online. And he was fantastic at getting involved. And really, um, what he did is he inspired you, but he also, you know, was quite tough. So you'd do some programmes on this, you know, university, oh, sorry, on this uh, local radio station. And he'd be, some of the feedback I had then was almost the, the toughest feedback I've ever had in broadcasting. But it was a brilliant way of doing it. But, but this took us a long story short. What happened was, I was working on this youth programme. Um, at the local radio station and the manager came in one night and said um, does anyone like sport and I said well yeah I love it that's my thing I, I love sport he said well to be honest we, we're looking for someone to cover the sports bulletins next week on the radio station because the guy who normally does it is going on holiday on a skiing holiday so I thought it was my last week at university and all my friends were out you know having drinks and enjoying <laughs> themselves and I thought do I do this or not anyway I, I did it and Getting up at four, so more my friends were at, you know, getting drunk every night, and I was getting up at four o'clock in the morning to go to the local radio station and read the sports bulletins. But at the end of the week, the manager came up and said, "Look, it's a bit embarrassing this, but the guy who was doing it, uh, who was away, broke his leg on the skiing holiday, <laughs> and we've decided we think you're really good. Would you like a job? We're going to have, we're going to replace him with you." So I always say to people, it was literally a lucky break. You know, he was, you know, this guy broke his leg and I was at my last week at university and I was offered a job. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't have dreamt it really. And, um, and what do you think the skills that you learnt doing that at university, for real, at a radio station, gave you in the, in the rest of your oh, career? Oh, the best thing about it, in both the local radio and university radio, was you did everything. That was the most important thing. You did a bit of everything. Sometimes you were on the air, sometimes you were producing, sometimes you were editing, sometimes you were, you know, working on the advertising, you were, you were promoting it. Um, and that's what I would always say to people is arm yourself with as many skills as you possibly can because that is what will make you stand out. If, you're, and if I'm looking for people now to come through and they can do, I can do this, I can do that, I can do the other, that will immediately give you an advantage over someone that says, well, I'm, I only really want to be a researcher. Well, that's great, but can you, you know, can you produce, can you edit, can you, you know, do some bit of broadcast, wherever it might be? And, and that for me was absolutely this. I, I, you know, in local radio, gosh, I, I presented everything from an Irish programme, a women's only programme, <laughs> um, news programmes, sport programmes, you know, I, I covered fires, I covered obviously a lot of sport, which I was my sort of main passion, but everything you do arms you with a different skill. And, and the experience of each of those different things I use every day now, I think. Because, you know, a lot of the basic skills 
I learned on, on that part doing university radio, I still do absolutely today. And there's no doubt, but absolutely the advice will be arm yourself with everything you can. Be a sponge. Take everything in from everyone, from, from the engineer at the station to the, to the, you know, the station manager, the broadcasters. You know, talk to them, ask them, and, and you, you take all that information. So you're at, uh, you left, left university and you've got a job straight away? And yeah, yeah. Did you, how long before you started targeting, I want to work for Five Live or for TMS? Was, is that your aim in life? Or? Um, well, certainly, um, so what I did was, when I was at um, doing local radio, I started doing a lot of cricket, because that was my big passion. Mm-hmm. So, And it just so happened, it was 1994, and this is a year when cricket fans will know in that area, this when this guy called Brian Lara, who became probably one of the most famous batsmen in the world, suddenly started breaking world records that year. So he had the highest score in first-class cricket, the highest score in test cricket. He scored hundreds and hundreds. So suddenly this team I was helping to cover became the big story. So because of that, I did a fair amount of stuff on national radio as well as local radio. Um, did some commentary, did some follow the team. So that was what I really wanted to get to. Um, then I started presenting all sorts of different programmes and, and doing all sorts of things. But I wanted to move to London to work with national radio. I applied for lots of different jobs. Um, not always exactly what I wanted to do, but I applied for lots of them sometimes in... I think BBC Three was just starting, I think, and I applied for something there and different radio stations and everything else. And then eventually got a job just in the sports room um, as a general sports producer uh, in 1998, and I did things. Eventually I produced the programs like Sports Week and Five Live Sport. Um, and then um, and then the sort of thing happened after that is that uh, they looked for someone to work in golf, and I got involved in that and managed to produce the Ryder Cup, quite a famous Ryder Cup that was won at the Belfry with a guy called Paul McGinley scored the winning, uh, got the winning putt. It was very dramatic. And again, very green. Uh, Alan Green was yes. there, absolutely, yeah. And by again, by total chance, at the end of that week... Um, our station manager was looking for someone to do cricket. And I'd just done a major OB, which had gone well. And he said, I, I really just want to like cricket. And they're asking around. And they said, well, Adam, he's, he loves cricket. So again, unbelievably fortunate in terms of timing. They wanted someone. This was when 2020 cricket started, which now, of course, is huge around the world. But in the, back in 2002, it was still very much in its infancy. Um, literally starting and they wanted someone to sort of join up with Test Match Special to work with the guy Peter Baxter as the producer at the time to work with him and, and suddenly there it was I had the opportunity to do that but always with the view that I could follow him but I mean he'd done the job for 34 years so it wasn't exactly the easiest person <laughs> to follow and of course you know had built up this amazing brand of Test Match Special and uh, uh, you know a, a brand a legend and a legendary producer how do you think the job has changed since you took over from him what, 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 was, what was the job that he did compared to the job that you do? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's again, what we talked about being an all-rounder. I mean, these days, when I do cricket, I mean, I'm, I'm the BBC cricket producer. I'm not just a test match special because I'm responsible for, frankly, all sort of all local radio cricket, uh, cricket in all the different formats. Um, I have an eye on uh, how sports news is done online. Now television's coming into the, into the uh, um, form much more. And yeah, absolutely, you're, you know, you're expected, and, and I enjoy, it's all about the old buzzword, multi-platform, because these days you can't just do radio. Radio is often, and it has to be visualised because that's what people want. I do a massive amount of social media. I run the Test Match Special Twitter page, the social media page for uh, Facebook and Instagram. I run that myself as well as producing the programme, so I have to do that. Um, I film interviews at the end of day's play. How do you film? So I, <laughs> so this is bizarre. So certainly when, when Peter Baxter 
was was doing it. You know, he would go on tour. Obviously, no mobile phones, so he'd be allowed one one phone call home a week if he could just about get through on a on a telephone exchange. When I go on tour now, I've got my my phone. I not only phone home, but I'm filming interviews, editing interviews, uh, putting them straight onto social media. I did an interview the other day. There's a big sort of story in New Zealand involving Joffre Archer, fast bowler who'd been racially abused. And England did a big press conference, so the time difference worked out that I could, if I was clever, I could just about get a clip on the 10 o'clock news, 10 o'clock TV news. And on my phone, I filmed this interview and turned it around, sent it, and managed to get it onto the 10 o'clock news. I mean, it's just bizarre. I mean, that, that wouldn't happen. So, yes, yeah, so I do, you know, I have to work in... Uh, so I say how it's changed is obviously being able to work in all the different areas, all the different mediums. And also... Um, I think the nature of, of the, the team that you put together is different now. You know, I, I was very, very keen when I took over that it was a much more diverse, it much more represented the people listening. So I worked very hard, particularly on bringing female broadcasters in, which is something I'm most mm-hmm. proud of. Um, so it's brilliant when I switch on and hear people like Alison Mitchell or Isha Guhar, Ebony Rainford-Brent, and these people that I was very fortunate to bring into the into broadcasting. And now they're, they're fantastic. They're, they're, you know, lead presenters across the world. Yeah. And they've done that with all their hard work. Mm-hmm. I don't take credit for that, but it was great to have had to have played a very small part in their sort of journey. But um, that's certainly how it's changed. There's a lot more... You know, that's, that's taken much more seriously than it absolutely should be. And, and I think that, that's, that's been really exciting. What would you say are the best bits of the job and the worst bits of the job? Oh, best bits of the job is when you get... Um, I, mean, I've, I mean, I've been amazingly fortunate this year to be sitting in the commentary box for two of the most magical moments in sporting history, the end of the World Cup final and, and the Headingley Test match when Ben Stokes went mad. And when you're, <laughs> and when you're there and you're, you realise you're at the centre of the sporting universe and you're playing a role, I think, I think I would say the best bit is when you get reaction from listeners and you realise what it means to people. So certainly in this summer you we got some incredible stories from where people were listening how they stopped what they were doing how they had to find somewhere to listen endless people breaking up journeys you know being at music concerts stopping the concert um an amazing story about um a guy said look i had i had to be somewhere on my own to experience the end of this amazing match i couldn't find anywhere quiet enough so i went into a graveyard got there and the 15 other people sitting listening on their phones to the end of it and i think it's having knowing that you're playing and i'm not you know i'm not bro- i do some broadcasting but you know i leave that to the real real experts um but having a role in creating that sort of program that you know means so much to people and people really care about that's what makes it, it magical so i'd say the best bits is is producing moments of radio that people love. I mean, I also would say that sometimes the just getting the programme on air is often something you're most proud of. Because when I go abroad, I also engineer the programme. So often if you're in you know, Bangladesh or India or Pakistan or whatever, you know, sometimes technology is, is not quite as straightforward as it perhaps it can be. Um, so sometimes you're just most proud getting the programme physically on the air and famously we were in uh, the UAE and everything went down, all lines, and we ended up broadcasting a whole programme on an iPad and they had this great sight of Jeffrey Boycott passing this iPad to Aggers and saying, you know, what does this do? Where do I hold it? <laughs> and broadcasting national radio on it and the fact we managed to get it on the air, so that was good. And the, bad, uh, the worst bits, um, I mean, I often say there's not that many. I, I, I spend all day listening to my favourite radio programme watching my favourite sport with a constant supply of cake. So there aren't too many bad points. But yeah, I suppose 
you know, the hours are never to be a long cricket goes on a long time. I'm away from family a lot. And I think that's probably the worst thing. I've got two girls growing up and you know, here I am in Johannesburg. It's wonderful. I'm working on a Boxing Day test match packed. But, you know, it's Christmas at home and my kids are opening their Christmas presents and I get my FaceTime out and watch them do it and I'm sort of there, but I'm not really. And, yeah, you're right. I know the sacrifices they're making to allow me yeah. to do this. And I think that's the, that's the difficult part. And finally, if you were throw yourself back to when you were a student, if you had your time over again, if you're a student now, an undergraduate doing sports tourism, for example, at Farmouth University, what would you advise these guys to do? What would you say is the most important thing to do why are you still a student? Yeah, well, certainly what I said earlier about arming yourself with skills, I, I can't say enough. You know, just take, try everything, learn everything. And particularly these days with technology, there are so many different ways of doing it. And you, you know, there are so many different forms of editing, recording, whatever it might be. You know, do it in radio, do it in television, do it online. So don't, don't, don't specialise too quickly, I'd say that. Arm yourself with skills. Um, in terms of getting, you know, the old foot in the door, I'd say be persistent but not annoying and that's a really difficult balance to strike and I'll give you an example of someone who did it perfectly so Alison Mitchell is now you know, one of the most respected commentators and a Falmouth graduate as well exactly yeah. one of the most um, uh, you know one of the most respected broadcasters in, in, in cricket you know she's currently in Australia presenting and commentating on seven television she's obviously Test Match Special and ICC and everything else and she wrote to me um, just before I was going to go to Australia and um I didn't get a chance to get back to her before I went to Australia. Um, and then suddenly one day I was setting up at the SCG in Sydney Cricket Ground, knock on the commentary box door, and it was Alison. She says, oh, I'm so sorry to disturb you. Um, I, I sent you a, a letter. I said, I'm really sorry, Alison. I'm so sorry I was going to get back to you, whatever else. Um, and I said, um, but I'd really like, be really interested to know what, you, what your sort of experiences are. And she says, well, actually, I've got a CV with me. And she had the CV with, with her, passed it on, it, by chance, I was looking for someone to join. This is 2020, starting to join the team. She joined the next year. But it was a perfect example of, you know, writing or phoning, whatever, but not, not on and on and on when you know someone's unbelievably busy. And I'm, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I wish I had more time to spend in developing some, uh, some of the talented people who come through. I try and get back people when I can. So, yeah, I'd say absolutely that. Be persistent. So don't just send one note and then say, oh, they've not got back to me. You know, follow it up, and particularly with examples, that's the other thing I'd say. If you want to be a broadcaster, don't just send an email saying, oh, I really like broadcasting. Show me. So, you know, use some initiative and go out and record. It hasn't got to be the best quality in the world. Go on your phone. These days you can do everything on your phone. Record a, a commentary off the television, or, or if you've done some research, you know, send an article you've done. You know, absolutely do it. Give examples. Don't just say, oh, I really love doing it. I'd love to do it. Well, show me how you've done that. You know, that's what impresses you. I mean, one of the best recent times, I was a student who sent me not only a, a, a brilliant CV, but a, basically made their own web page with amazing quality of, of visual audio stuff. And I thought, wow, you know, absolutely blew me away. And, you know, I got in work experience at Salford, and, and, which is obviously where, where um, sorry, BBC Sport's based now. Um, and hopefully he's going to go on from there. So, yeah, that, as I'd say, be persistent, not annoying. Arm yourself with what you can. And, and I think most most important, never give up and never let anyone tell you you aren't going to make it in the industry. If you really, really want to do it, there are, you know, there are a lot of people obviously wanting to do it. But generally, if you really, really want to do it, you've got a chance because these days there are more opportunities possibly than ever before, I'd say. Adam Mountford, thank you very much. Thank you.